to Second Thessalonians in the to Second Thessalonians in the class yesterday or last week. Sorry, I'm pre-recording these because I've got a trip uh, trip out with my wife. Anyway, you didn't need to know that. Uh, I skipped over Galatians six and, and left right to Second Thessalonians, and some of you are going, "What happened there?" And I would love to tell you that that was some part of his grand scheme of reading in the order and Paul kind of hesitated and went over and read, wrote 2 Thessalonians and came I messed up. That's what happened. I messed up. So we're going to leave 2 Thessalonians over where it is right now. We're going to record this one on Galatians 6 and then our creative director, Kirsten, will do her magic to rearrange this stuff. All right, so Galatians 6, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. A couple of little traps that we fall into whenever we do see something and we feel the need to step in. One of those uh, is the far more obvious one, and that is that we could be in the wrong. We could be correcting somebody who's doing something right, and we're on the other side of the right and wrong line. You have to approach every situation as if that might be the case and, and be open to having to cross the line. One of the hardest things to do is to approach situations with the realization that while you have your facts, they may have their facts. While you have your feelings, they may have their feelings and that somehow it might be you that got them out of whack. So we approach gently. We also approach gently because that's the only way to really change people. Oh, you, you can change people, but for the bad, for the negative. If you're always barking at them, argumentative parents who are whacking their kids, then you can really, you can really change the people, but that's not a good thing. To bring somebody to a positive change, we have to approach with gentility and gentleness. Those are two different things. Gentility means there is a feeling of dignity in yourself and you give that same dignity to the other, that you approach them with manners, or as the old King James Version would have said about love in 1 Corinthians 13, don't behave yourself unseemly. Be very aware social conventions and the like that's gentility and gentleness i think we all get gentleness by now but the other way we can be tempted uh it's not so obvious i have seen people that their co-workers are are, are are nice people and they become friends and the co-workers will say well why do you go to that church or why do you believe in a god and the christian the believer goes Yay, the opportunity has arrived now to, to go and, and teach this person. And it is a cross-gender, it's male-female, female-male. So fashion as that is, 99% of us still live in that world. And so as you sit down across the table and you're talking to them, you begin to draw closer to them. I have seen divorces and all kinds of trials begin because somebody wanted to teach their friend, their pretty friend, or their handsome friend, or their nice friend, the Bible. 
always watch yourself. The devil loves to take whatever we do and find ways to blow it up. So watch yourself, all right? Do so carefully, or you could also be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. And I've brought up before, as we looked at Galatians and others, how um, when King Conrad was about to take the city of Iceberg, they, he let the women leave carrying only what they could carry on their backs, and he was going to kill everybody else. And so they left carrying their husbands and their children. And for once, King Conrad just went, you know, you got me, <laughs> and let them live. It's a true story. Uh, Germany was a real sword fest for a very, very long time. Carry each other. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Can we just talk about that for a minute? You may be noticing a theme in everything I talk about in my sermons, in my going through scripture, and that is that freedom in Christ, strip it down, this is what it is. And you might think, well, that's just a hobby horse Patrick likes to ride, and so that's what he's always gonna talk about. No, if you actually look, it's all through here. The Bible is soaked in it. You have to fight. You have to arrange organizations. You have to buy real estate and develop a hierarchy and ecclesiastical structure to get more out of scripture than just carry each other. That'll fulfill the law of Christ. It's, it's all in there. I'm not making it up. If anyone thinks they are something when they're not, they deceive themselves. All right. Something was going on in, in the Galatian territory. Not exactly sure what he's referring to, but I guarantee you that they knew. We, and we can, uh, we can all understand a little bit how we could apply that, even though we don't know exactly to whom it was aimed or had at whom. Each one should test their own actions. <clears throat> Have a listen. Did you hear that? I don't get to do an inquisition. I don't get to put you on the rack, but neither do I get to write you up online or put on Facebook, that person's a horrible person. I've looked at their actions and judged them. I don't get to do that. Every person judges their own actions. Romans 14 is going to really unpack that. So if you want to read ahead, you're allowed. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. Wow. In our culture, we're constantly asked to compare. You know, Men will, uh, <coughs> I'm sorry, take off their um, their shirts and be rock ribbed and such. And you know, most men over 25 are going to be sitting around, you know, kind of looking, going, eh, no. And women are, I, I feel sorry for women because they're they're being attacked constantly. You weigh too much. Your figure's not right. Your hair's not good. You, it's just. God says, compare yourself to yourself. How'd you do yesterday? How you doing today? There was a man at Inverness, uh, the Highland, the capital of the Highlands of Scotland, named John. John's an incredibly popular name. John, Ian, Alec, Alistair, that's pretty much the names. Or James and Jamie. Um, 
but here here's John, and John uh, had been an alcoholic for a long, long time. I don't know if he abused drugs or not. I don't know all of his backstory, but I do know about the alcohol. And it had had effects, um, as it does. He came to Jesus and he stayed sober, but the brain didn't go back to what it was. And I can remember one day walking the streets of Inverness and seeing John there with a big push broom, pushing, you know, sweeping the road for the city council. And he had a council job doing that. And, and yes, they, there's some still places where people use the big push broom. Most of them still, you know, use the cart with the brushes. Yeah, but he, at this time, what was that, about 84, he was pushing and smiling. Now, it was a gray day, and the Scots would call it drich day, drich. It's a cold and dark, a bit, a little wet spitting in there, and, and uh, he's smiling. Now, I knew John from the wee church there, and so I walked up to John and said, how are you doing today, John? And he goes, oh, I'm doing grand a day. I'm doing grand a day. And I said, so what are, what, what's making you so happy? He said, I'm sweeping the streets for the Lord. You know something? In that exchange, one person had quite a few degrees. The other person was wise. John taught me something there, and that's what's going on here. Take pride in yourself alone. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. For each one should carry their own load. Now, didn't he ask us to carry each other? Yeah. One of the ways we carry each other is by carrying our load and not dumping it on them. Let's, let's just try to use a couple silly illustrations, if that helps. Um, here comes Miss Cammy years and years ago when she's pregnant. And when she got pregnant, it, it kind of put a hip out of place a lot. And so she walked kind of funny and it hurt. But if she was going, oh, I'm hurting. I just can't walk for it. And I'm going, you think that's bad? I got six reports due for tomorrow and I got a headache and I've taken some Tylenol for it, but it's, it's not. What have I just done? What have I just done? I had the opportunity to help carry somebody's load, but instead I reached up, grabbed it, and there it is. You got mine now. This is a wonderful passage on, dude, you carry your load and you look about to see if you can help others carry theirs. But you don't run around in your life with your load out here going, all right, who can I put this on now? Who can I put this on now? Got it? Okay. It's a hard one. For example, I have uh, uh, sustained damage to the head more than once. You always, you, you always suspected it, let's be honest. But I also uh, was diagnosed a couple years ago with trigeminal neuralgia. And it's a thing in mainly on this side, sometimes it comes over here. This morning, it jerked me out of bed at about 4.30 felt like ice picks on fire had been jammed into my face. Took about an hour to calm it down. But you see, by the way, normally people with trigeminal neuralgia can't calm it down. So I am a blessed man. Don't know when it's gonna hit. When it hits, hits pretty hard. Probably had it for many, many, many years. We thought they were migraines, cluster headaches, or the like. All right, put that to one side. Someone comes in my office and they've got a headache. 
What am I supposed to do? Pff, you think you've got a headache. You wear people with trigeminal neuralgia are four times more likely to commit suicide because they're hopeless, because there's no real treatment for it. Now they can go in and they can go. Why? Instead, when they say they have a headache, I can say, I'm so sorry. Can I help get you some water, some medication, or what is it I can do for you that you can rest a bit? I don't have to tell them that I'm hurting maybe worse than them. I'll carry my load and I'll try to help them carry theirs. Now, before you draw a halo over me, you need to be aware, I get this wrong. I get selfish. I get this narrow, almost like I got a toilet roll tube right there and that's all I'm gonna see, but I'm trying. So I'll try to carry my load and as much as I can carry, I'll carry not. That's what we're supposed to do. That's how we fulfill the law of Christ. Well, nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. All right, that's another, there's got to be something going on there. There were arguments in the first century, as there are people who argue about it now, as to should there be a paid minister? Should you pay them? I've, I have, in my life, been in meetings in churches, lots of churches, where the, the phrase came out, we don't want to pay the preacher too much. We need to keep him humble. That phrase was used not in an ironic or a comic way. And I asked one church, how do you, fact, how do you figure what you're going to pay your minister? And I wasn't their minister. They'd asked me to come in to help them with a couple things, and I saw a whole bunch of other things that were more important. I said, how do you figure that out? And they said, well, we figure out the median of our area, and then the median of our congregation, and then we, uh, we, we, we did, and by the way, they, they messed up median and average, but everybody does, so it's all right. And so, um, and then we, we cut 20% off of that, or we, it's, I was going, you know something, why don't you just ask him or her, what do you need to thrive? Now, if they come back and say, well, I need a Learjet and a limo, you got the wrong person, get rid of them. You know, go on to the next. But when somebody does something for you, help them back. Do something good for them. My wife is wearing a big boot and has been for a couple months now and it's the foot still got some really issues and so when she got off the plane they wheelchaired her all the way to the luggage place and then the man said um, I'll take you to your car which was amazing because in Nashville right now they're the the night it's a nightmare um, I, I'm, I'm assuming it's all gonna be fantastic when they're done with it Nashville was a very busy, tiny old airport. It looks like they're going two or three times the size, but right now getting to a garage to park your car is just brutal. I said, okay. And he did. It, it was a good 20, 30 minutes out of his day. Did I over tip him? If it comes to what the average tip was, yes. But I didn't over tip him if you're asking did I pay him too much? No, no. He did something for us. I believe in paying. We have 
received gifts in our life that helped us survive. Some of you watching did that last year for us. And you kept us alive. You kept us in our home. You, I don't need to tell you about this. And you didn't do it because you had gobs of money laying around wondering what to do with it. You shared your lunch money. And we will never forget that. And we intend to be more like you and give more like you gave. And that's what he's saying. Come on, share with each other. And if somebody's teaching you or helping you, even a, a server at a restaurant, share. Share in the bounty with them. Do not be deceived, God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Some people call this karma. The karma in its whole is a, is a damnable doctrine of demons. Uh, it is, um, <clears throat> it's not Christian. But there are some elements in, in what people usually refer to as karma, which are, are correct. You do tend to reap what you sow, but not always, not always. The wonderful Christian woman who finds her wife's, her husband's been unfaithful and he beats her. Did she sow that? No, she did not. Proverbs are things which are generally true, but there are always exceptions to Proverbs. And so this is what he's saying. Generally speaking, you reap what you sow. You might, my retirement plan is to love enough people that somebody will feed me, you know, just throw it out there. And if we die penniless, that's not a problem. We weren't gonna take anything with us. Just reap what you sow. Sow out there the love of God. Remember carrying each other's burdens? Let us not become weary in doing good. And, and I gotta check my time here, we got time. This is a serious issue for me too. You pick up the call and pick up the phone and let's just call Betty because you don't have a lot of Bettys anymore right now. It's, it's a pretty good good name to use, right? And Betty calls, she goes, oh, I'm really sick. Could someone help me mow my lawn and um, go get my medicine? Yeah, sure. <clears throat> what else can I do? Next day phone rings. Next day phone rings. How long is your compassion going to last? All of us. All of us have compassion fatigue somewhere along the way. <clears throat> I think that's why we need each other. Sorry, as you can see, it's sunny outside. We have a pollen alert. Yay. <clears throat> I love living in the South and I love the warm weather and I love the green. So you just gotta deal with this. <clears throat> I'm told that by the physicians around here that there's this basin and all the pollen just falls into it in Middle Tennessee. But you know, everywhere I've lived, I've had people tell me it's the worst place for allergies. So, okay. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time, we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. So what, what's, what's the last phrase there mean? Do we treat people outside the church mean or? No, 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 no. Do good to them. But if Betty is a believer who is suffering because her husband uh, left her or because her husband's sick or because she didn't have a husband or because she lost her job, or, you know, I, whatever the cause, 
but she's a believer, and I have $5. Betty needs the $5. The non-believer needs $5. I know what you're thinking. You're gonna think, I'm gonna give the $5 to Betty. I'll probably give 350 to Betty and give the 150 over here. Now that's a piddling small amount, but you get the idea, all right? And then if it's not just me, but the believers doing this, then when my compassion fatigue hits and maybe my wallet has an echo in it because it's empty, others are in there. The goodness continues and I can recover. All right, I can care again. Then you go back in and you relieve each other. That's what's supposed to be because that's what believers are supposed to do on this earth. And then he closes it out, but it, he's not done. It's not an over and out in Galatians. He throws another stick at some people. See what large letters I use to write to you with my own hand. <clears throat> we have no idea. <clears throat> no idea what he means there. It could be several things. We do know it's gonna be one of these things. Is he saying, I'm writing a really long letter to you? That's what it looks like at first. Or is he saying, look how big my letters are. There are those who think Paul had eye problems and very possibly there's, didn't have eyeglasses. And so eye problems would be real problems. And we do know that most of Paul's letters were dictated because he says so. He'll put in there, he says, so-and-so did this. But then he'll, he got to where he would write a little bit at the end. So like the good housekeeping seal, they would know, all right, this is me. This isn't a false epistle. In Second Thessalonians, some false letters are going out. But we'll deal with that. Those who want to impress people by means of the flesh are trying to compel you to be circumcised. Now, it's really important you get this. These people weren't trying to impress people with their riches and their wealth. They were trying to impress people with their righteousness. It's a trap. Be careful. The only reason they do this is to avoid being persecuted for the cross of Christ. At this time, there was this little, you know, the, the Romans looked upon the Jews and the Christians as the same. The Christians were just a kind of a little subgroup within the Jews, but there was already this, wait, they're coming after the Christians, but I'm, I'm a Jew, so I'm gonna pull back and say they are the Christians. And Christians, as you know, throughout history have been horrible to Jews. So it has just been, well, more like that. And it, it was starting here. Not even those who are circumcised keep the law, yet they want you to be circumcised that they may boast about your circumcision in the flesh. Now, it's really hard for us to get that. So I'm gonna say baptized, okay? I'm a minister. I will drive and drive and drive to baptize you. <clears throat> Drove over to Knoxville um, two or three months ago to baptize two teenagers. Loved it, loved it, loved it. What if, what if I were to go and say baptism's all you really need, right? Well, first of all, it's a lousy illustration. Baptism's super important, but I can, I can baptize people and look them in the eye and say, love Jesus, follow him fiercely, knowing that I don't always do that. And by the way, I'll tell them, it's not a secret. Some of my unloving has even been public. So yeah, I think we're all known there. 
And Paul's saying, these people are saying, keep the law, keep the law, and that means circumcision. He says, they're circumcised. They're not keeping all the law. So why do you have to be circumcised? It's the whole thing, this big fight. We're not in it now. They were in it. He goes, may I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me. A couple big things there. Um, I've run across people who don't think much of me, but Miss Cammie picked me, married me, loves me, and has stayed with me. So there is value to me by who loves me. And we, Ollie runs up to me. My big old Lucas runs up to me and gives me a hug. Little Addie gives me a little tender, you know, lean in hug. If those wee guys that are getting bigger, if they love me, I'm okay. And Paul's saying, you know what? I don't have to boast about myself. Jesus died for me. Now, try to find something bigger to top that then. And he goes, because of that, I love him so much, I've been crucified to the world. Really rough language back in the first century. So I'll put it this way. <clears throat> Since I married Cammy and love her dearly, I don't date anybody else. I don't flirt with anybody else. There is no possibility. Why? Well, I'm kind of dead to the world because she gave up all for me. Now, do you get a parallel? Hope so. Neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything. What counts is the new creation. <clears throat> when Paul said this, this would have been like me going, forget your churches, drop your real estate, drop your your rules about how to how to worship, drop your rules about the Lord's Supper, drop your rules about all, just follow Jesus. Do you have any idea what kind of email I'm going to get even just using that illustration? Oh, <laughs> and the places where I go to speak will get emails too. And they'll get letters. I warn people when they ask me to come speak. If people find out, they will write you. Because they want to keep all this. In fact, they think God wants them to. A lot of it should be kept. I'm not going to sort through it for you. What I'm going to say is this. Me saying that would feel to modern ears like this. Wait, wait, wait. We are the circumcised people. And Paul's gone... And interesting, because God told us to, which he did. Be fair, <clears throat> he did. And Paul now says, none of it matters. All that matters is be new in Christ. Peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. And then he uses a phrase, to the Israel of God. So much in there, and we're going to close with it. Um... God's Israel now consists of Jews and Gentiles, all who call upon the name of the Lord. Now, in Matthew 5, I'm, I'm sorry, Matthew 7, he, he warns not all that call, call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So this calling is actually our way of living. We are a new creation in Christ. We're carrying our own load. We're helping to carry others. That's, that's what's going on here. We are the Israel of God. We are his chosen people because... We have chosen to live like this. We chose him back. But the word Israel, God gave that name and changed Joseph's name to Israel 
And the word means he who wrestles with God. And I love it. God says, come on in. Sometimes it's going to feel like a hug. Sometimes you're going to want to wrestle me. Sometimes I'm going to wrestle you. But the thing is, if you're even if you're mad at God and you're wrestling with God, at least you're in touch. And he says, come on, peace and mercy to the Israel of God. I love that. From now on, let no one cause me trouble, for I bear on the bo my body the marks of, of Jesus. Please remember, he's used a lot of rough language in this. He's had about enough of some of these people. He says, right, I'm drawing a line. Don't you cause me any more trouble. We know the rest of Paul's life and know that's all it consisted of, was them going after him and him trying to lay out and, and doing a magnificent job, laying out the cause of Christ while being brutalized constantly, slandered, libeled constantly. But these were early days and he thought he could draw a line. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers and sisters. That's how he ends the book. That's how I'll end this today. Be at peace. God loves you far, far more than you could ever imagine. And none of the what ifs the devil mentions and whispers in your ear make a better difference. Cheers. <laughs>